Welcome to the Liberty Leadership in Lies with Larry Linton podcast. For those of you who are new listeners, this podcast will be about exactly what the title implies. We will discuss the state of liberty in our republic today and how it is being eroded by the very institution that was created by our founding fathers to protect it, which is the government that now hates us. We'll also discuss the many different types and styles of leadership that exist today, but more frequently we'll talk about how our republic is best served by true servant leadership in elected office. On the topic of lies, we will discuss the many pervasive lies that are told in society today, and not only by our government, but their willing partners in the news media, social media, and tech sectors. These lies, they're designed to rob us of our liberty and destroy our trust in and reliance on the founding principles of our nation and its constitution. I will also use a portion of each episode to discuss my election campaign to represent Tennessee's House of Representatives, District 12. And what I hope to accomplish with my campaign is just basically a couple of things. I want to bring to Nashville an example of what following an oath to the Constitution looks like. And this is based upon my 30 years of service to our nation in the United States Navy. Additionally, once I am in Nashville, I would like to restore the state's role as the creator of and the parent to the federal government. What a lot of people don't realize is that our federal government is not a party to our Constitution, but it is a product of the Constitution. And this Constitution is a charter between all of the states that empowers the federal government with certain and extremely limited powers, such as providing for the common defense and to regulate trade. We can also discuss any tactics or techniques the listeners may have in the fight to restore our nation's founding principles when engaging with what has apparently become the people's enemy over the course of generations now, and that is the government that, one, hates us, and two, only sees us as the means to obtain and maintain power. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. You can also subscribe to my blog there at the website. Additionally, even at the website, you can contribute to my campaign. You can find the podcast and the campaign on social media. Just search for Larry for TN12 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the campaign info and Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Lynn for the podcast social media pages. I'm also on Telegram as Liberty Leadership and Lies. I will be recording the show either from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee, or on remote locations where my consulting business or election campaign takes me. Welcome back to another episode, ladies and gentlemen. Coming to you from the Permian Basin again this week. You know, the difference in the climates between here and West Texas, where I'm at, And my home in Sevierville is so dramatically different. I guess that I'm experiencing real climate change every two weeks. I've had to endure a couple of sandstorms over the past few days. In fact, you could probably hear one blowing in the background right now. And I haven't had to endure any of these since the time I spent in the Middle East while I was on active duty. I have forgotten how a sandstorm is much worse than going to the beach. Even fully clothed, you get sand and dust in places that it should never be, if you know what I mean. It gets in your ears, your mouth, your nostrils, and your nether regions. But the work here must go on. This particular engagement is going extremely well. Watching the crews that I'm working with take the leadership lessons on board and improving their performance is a reward in and of itself. I truly do enjoy this work. 
It has me looking forward to doing something quite similar once I arrive in the General Assembly, especially given the difference between the two groups of people, groups with two different moral imperatives. The group I am coaching right now, they're out here working to provide a living for themselves and their families. You know what? In doing so, these oil field hands are contributing more to our nation right now than almost every elected official in our country. The other group that I hope to be working with, the people in the General Assembly, they're supposed to be built around servant leadership and following an oath. I think the work in the General Assembly will be more rewarding, though. I can work with those elected representatives to restore a true sense of servant leadership and fealty to an oath to the Constitution. Now, a moral imperative is a strongly felt principle that compels an individual to act a certain way. Campaign promises are verbal expressions of moral imperatives. And we can see how much our elected representatives are fulfilling their moral imperatives. On that note, before we move on with this week's topic, I would like to provide a public endorsement for a friend of mine that is running for office here in Tennessee. Many of you know that one of this podcast's earliest supporters is a great American named Terry Boyd. I've mentioned her name here on the show before. She's listed on the credits for many of the episodes of the podcast. And I'm extremely grateful for not only her support, but her friendship and her patriotism. Terry lives in Sumner County and is running for elected office. Specifically, she is running to represent District 13 on the Sumner County Commission. If you recall, I mentioned in a previous episode the fact that I played a small part of the Tennessee Liberty Network. Well, Terry has been a much more involved member of that group of patriots. Her work in TN Liberty Network uncovered the federal money fraud that is tied to masking our children in government schools. Additionally, she uncovered federal money tied to the treatment and the resulting deaths from that treatment of COVID patients in hospitals. For some of her best work, Terry has been integral to the election integrity team of the TN Liberty Network, and she uncovered voter fraud here in several Tennessee counties. Terry also helped one of our most pro-liberty lawmakers in the General Assembly draft legislation designed to ensure Tennessee has fair and safe elections going into the future. Terry has demonstrated through her work in TN Liberty Network that she is a true and unwavering constitutional conservative. If you are a Sumner County resident, you can be sure that Terry Boyd will be fighting for you and will work to earn your support and your trust every day. She is a staunch defender of liberty and is already standing in the arena fighting for constitutional and conservative principles in the great state of Tennessee. The residents of Sumner County District 13 will be hard-pressed to find a candidate more fit and aligned with a stated Republican Party platform than Terry Boyd true servant leadership that will represent her constituents very well. I want to wish Terry well in her campaign. Keep standing in the arena and fighting for your moral imperatives. Now, I'd like to also update you all in the Goat Locker studio. The redecorating is finally complete. I finished it just before I left home last week. It was delayed due to a supply chain issue with a desk I ordered. Go figure, supply chain issues. So it must be Putin's fault, right Brandon? Anyway, I received all the furniture and rearranged all the wall hangings. It is now fit to conduct videos from, as well as serving as my campaign headquarters. I'll share photos on all my social media once I get back home. Now, on to this week's topic, leadership. 
During my many engagements facilitating training on leadership, it was vital to the success of those leaders that the topic of ethical failures by people in leadership positions was always covered. As a matter of fact, the team and I would share an article titled, The Bathsheba Syndrome, The Ethical Failure of Successful Leaders. It's a paper written by Dean Ludwig and Christopher Longnecker, and it appeared in the April 1993 issue of the Journal of Business Ethics. Of course, it had to deal with the ethical failures happening in the business world at the time, but the same principles applied to people in leadership positions throughout the armed forces, especially within the senior enlisted ranks of the United States Navy. The paper hypothesized that many ethical violations by people in leadership positions are the byproduct of their success and not because of competitive pressures. The author's research suggested that these leaders were not prepared to deal with their success which is why the team and I needed to ensure that senior enlisted leaders were aware of the pitfalls they would be exposed to based upon the success in their advancement to chief, senior, and master chief petty officer. I also cover this topic in some of my leadership facilitation now with business leaders. The researchers also found that success often leads to complacency and often causes these leaders to lose their focus. Losing focus diverted their attention to things other than the leadership functions of their business or their military unit. Next, the researchers found that these leaders' success, be it personal or organizational, gave them access. Access to information, people, or objects, which are a foundation power base for people in leadership positions. Third, with success came increasing levels of control of organizational resources. Fourth and finally, success can inflate a leader's belief in their ability to manipulate outcomes. It boiled down to this. Even leaders with high moral values can be tempted by the opportunities provided by the four circumstances we just discussed. And since these leaders do not have the ability to cope with nor respond to the four circumstances of their success, they are extremely susceptible to having an ethical failure. And like I stated, the authors labeled this the Bathsheba Syndrome. Many of the listeners are familiar with the account of King David in the Old Testament. Even King David was a victim of his own success. In fact, King David's first unethical decision with Bathsheba led to many more and much deadlier ethical decisions. In my 30 years of service in the Navy, I was witness to many senior enlisted leaders falling victim or succumbing to the Bathsheba Syndrome. Even very prominent military leaders at the Admiral and General Officer ranks fell victim to this as well, and it almost always made national headlines too. High-ranking military leaders like General David Petraeus, Vice Admiral Timothy Giardina, and many others. When I would facilitate training sessions using the Bathsheba Syndrome paper, I would ask the question, is this phenomenon appropriately named? Who behaved unethically, King David or Bathsheba? Of course, it was both, but who was the worst? King David. While both committed adultery, King David was the one in charge of the cover-up conspiracy. He was the person that had the authority, accountability, and responsibility to perform ethically as the leader of his people. Bathsheba was not the person in a leadership position. King David violated his ethical responsibility to the point where he ensured the death of Bathsheba's husband when his lies and cover-up failed. 
In the naming of the syndrome, I believe the authors got it wrong, but they were spot on in everything else. I would encourage you all to read the paper, or at the very least the abstract. It should help inform us all on what to look for and how to help ensure our elected representatives behave ethically. If you have been paying attention to what has been happening in our republic lately, and nothing to do with Ukraine, or at least the war in Ukraine, Bathsheba syndrome also applies not to just the business and military leaders, but our elected representatives at every level of government, as well as the leaders of social media, legacy news media, and big tech companies. They are all falling victim to their own Bathsheba syndrome. Ethical behavior is very important to maintaining a free press. We the people need to recognize this phenomenon and how it applies to how we renew our active participation in our self-governance. That we demand that the members we elect to represent us and the journalists that are supposed to apply sunlight to the activities of government and to the leaders of those organizations that are vital to the functioning of the new public square. We need to ensure these elected representatives behave ethically while in office or these journalists while are reporting on news, and that they do it in an unbiased fashion. And finally, big tech and social media, they need to perform ethically in the dissemination of information available to the people. It has become very apparent that we need to demand this. Demand this of all the companies that control the flow of information in the new public square that is the internet and social media. This implies that we the people must reevaluate and change structures, procedures, and practices which enhance the likelihood of elected officials, social media, legacy media, and big tech company leadership and keep them from falling victim to the Bathsheba syndrome. I've spoken on this before. Failure to follow an oath should mean immediate removal from office at the local, state, and federal level. Social media and legacy news media companies and big tech that show bias based upon their personal political ideology should be subject to fines and, as a last resort, restructuring their ownership and leadership for repeated violations, much like the Sherman Antitrust Act does to companies. What are antitrust acts? Well, current antitrust acts are laws that prohibit businesses from engaging in certain practices that are deemed anti-competitive, and that restrain trade. Some anti-competitive practices may include price discrimination, price fixing, market segmentation, and hostile takeovers. In marketing, market segmentation is the process of dividing a broad consumer or business market, normally consisting of existing and potential customers, into subgroups of consumers, known as segments, based on some type of shared characteristics. Sounds eerily similar to the behavior our new aristocracy and their enablers have been doing to our society quite regularly. Reports in the media last week clearly demonstrate ethical violations by former people in our intelligence agencies, the legacy news media, social media platforms, and big tech based upon their political ideology. In the case of the Hunter Biden laptop, they divided the country into two camps. Why do they do this? The whys always must be asked, and more importantly answered, if we are to restore our republic. I hope you all remember the acronym I used when I discussed leadership ethical failures. Remember it? 
spam, S-P-A-M. The four primary driving factors that leaders like King David, General Petraeus, and many, many others commit ethical failures. The S is for sex. The P is for power. The A is for alcohol or drugs. And the M is for money. And based upon a recent report in the Old Gray Lady, you know, the newspaper that states all the news fit to print, the New York Times, all of America, even the communists and their sycophants and enablers, all are aware of the length certain people will go to in order to maintain or increase their P and spam, power. So I mentioned earlier about what some media outlets, at least those that still deal in with providing credible news nowadays, what some media outlets have dubbed as the laptop from hell, it is quite apparent that many foreign intelligence officials, those bureaucratic unelected people that are the deep state, as well as the people in social media and legacy news media companies suppressed or lied about the truth of Hunter Biden's laptop, they all suffered from huge ethical failures. Well, they actually engaged in a huge ethical failure, and it is the American public, we the people, that is suffering the results of those same failures, which is somewhat deserved. Because for far too long, we have allowed this to happen through our apathy. Many of the legacy news media and social media companies have assumed, without much of a fight from the American people, too much power and base it upon extremely biased authority. The same thing applies to the members of the bureaucratic state in our government. Some of the leaders in their fields continue to double down on their ethical failure, even with the truth about that laptop coming to light. If you recall, when the initial reports on the laptop were broken by the nation's oldest newspaper, the entire machinery of the deep state and their willing allies in social media and news outlets did their best to suppress the information. Or they tried to convince the public that was aware of the information that it was Russian misinformation. We were told to not believe our own eyes and ears. Much as George Orwell's book 1984 foretold, and here I'll quote, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. Unquote. This behavior is happening with more frequency today. In order for those that are in power to be able to maintain their grip on power. The citizens of this great country have failed in our, yes our, I take responsibility for this as well. We have failed in our responsibility to maintain our great experiment in self-governance. One of the things I did as a senior enlisted leader in the United States Navy and now do as a leadership consultant is to help teams and companies find ways to improve their performance safely and efficiently. One of the best methods a team can do this by is adapting a culture of continuous improvement. And there are many processes out there that these teams can use. These processes go by many different names and applications such as Scrum, Lean, and Six Sigma. One of the methods I try to introduce into a team or company's culture is to use something called an OODA loop for all their operations from the routine to the very complex. The OODA loop was developed by Colonel John Boyd while he was serving as a military strategist in the United States Air Force. OODA, O-O-D-A. It is the acronym for the cycle Observe, Orient, Decide, Act. 
Originally, the concept was applied to the combat operations process, often at the operational level, which most people would recognize as the mid-management or leadership positions during military campaigns. It is now often applied to understand commercial operations and learning processes. And like I mentioned, I use it, or something quite similar in my coaching engagements now with companies large and small. This approach, the OODA loop, explains how agility can overcome raw power in dealing with human opponents. While Colonel Boyd originally developed the concept to explain how to direct one's energies to defeat an adversary and survive, we the people, we need to use this approach for continuous improvement when dealing with our elected representatives. The OODA loop is a set of interlacting loops that are to be kept in continuous operation during combat. In the case of we the people, we can and need, based upon recent unconstitutional actions by government, need to treat restoring constitutional principles to Congress and state houses as a form of combat. We have spent the last two plus years observing what Congress, state legislatures, big tech, legacy news media, and social media, what these groups of people will do to obtain and maintain power. How they fall victim to their own Bathsheba syndrome and failing in their ethical responsibilities to represent and inform us, we the people. Several organizations have already oriented themselves as well since the beginning of this pandemic. You can argue that the orient phase of the OODA loop is the most important because this stage or phase shapes the way we observe, the way we decide, and the way we act. And here's where I like to talk about groups of people like TN Liberty Network, Moms for Liberty, and many others that have cropped up over the last two years. They have completed most of their observations of the Constitution-trashing atrocities that have or are still occurring since the beginning of the pandemic. And they entered into the decide and act parts of the OODA loop, much like the Tea Party in the early 2000s. We the people, in very small numbers, are moving ourselves to the orient part of the loop. But we are doing it in numbers too small to have much of an effect in the decide and act portions of the loop. That is what the new aristocracy and members of the deep state count on as well. It is also what social media companies and their allies in big tech and the legacy news media rely on. That because of the apathy of the majority of the voting age population, what we see as their ethical failures but they see as their strategic successes All of them can continue to erode our constitutionally protected liberties and in the words of the most successful recent member of the new aristocracy, We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. It's been a long time coming. But tonight, because of what we did on this day, in this election, at this defining moment, change has come to America. Let me play that for you again. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. It's been a long time coming. But tonight, because of what we did on this day, in this election, at this defining moment, change has come to America. These communists have been quite successful for decades. No, make that over a century now in their efforts of fundamentally changing our constitutional republic to the exact opposite of its design. Their typical rallying cry is that we are a democracy. We're even hearing that in the Senate hearings for the next Supreme Court justice right now. Democracy. A democracy is where the mob rules. And that is how they are also successful in their election campaigns. 
They promise all kinds of gifts from the national treasury to the people in order to get their votes. Transforming our republic by creating mobs of people greedy for monies from the public treasury. I heard this quote from a very famous conservative commentator years ago, and it will stick with me forever. He stated it is very difficult for an ordinary person to win an election if they're running against Santa Claus. The communists pretend to be Santa Claus with their campaign promises, pretend legislation, and spending bills that are creating an economy on the verge of collapse. These communists, now Santa Claus, they're promising gifts from the national treasury that very few people realize is funded straight out of their own wallets. Remember, government gets first cut on every dime we earn. And not only that, the communists are being Santa Claus for other nations as well. Of course, their ability to run as Santa Claus is enabled by the da-da-da 16th Amendment. Why do you think the communists, the progressives, wanted that amendment so passed they cheated to get it passed? Anyway, the taxpaying, voting-age citizens of this nation need to wake up. Wake up and shrug off this apathy. Then we need to start applying the OODA loop to involvement in our own self-governance. We have over a century of observations to guide how we need to orient ourselves to this combat against the communists that would complete their fundamental transformation of our republic. Not only the communists either, but to the transpublicans too. We should all be preparing to enter the decide and act stages of the OODA loop in improving the situations with not only our elected officials at every level of government, but with those institutions that have implemented anti-competitive actions with regards to the information we seek and are exposed to in the legacy news media and social media. The tools are already at our disposal to act if only we as a nation decide to throw off this apathy and use our constitution as our best weapon. If we are to prevail in this restoration of our constitutional republic, we need to start operating with much more agility or at a much faster tempo than we have in the past. We need to organize better. Because our adversaries, the communistic new aristocracy and all their enablers have been beating us to the punch every time. Another way we can start beating them is to get inside their own OODA loop. It would cause confusion among the transpublicans and communists. It would cause them to become unable to generate mental images or pictures that agree with the actions of we the people and our fight to restore our constitutional principles. As I mentioned earlier, we need to decide to reevaluate and change structures, procedures, and practices that have allowed, not only allowed, but enabled this unethical behavior in elected officials, our so-called free press, and big tech and social media companies. We need to demand more from our elected representatives. Heck, not only demand more from our elected representatives, we need to start over with new elected representatives. Also, we need to start over with these political parties. We have to observe how they have contributed to the destruction of our constitutional republic, much as George Washington warned us they would. Observe, orient, decide, and act. The Bathsheba Syndrome has become a way of life for the political parties and the press in our nation. The only solution is to start over. Seek out and encourage those people with a desire to restore elected office to a position of servant leadership.
As I mentioned in the introduction to every episode, please follow the campaign and podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Telegram. And yes, I am on True Social now as well. The wait is over. When you visit the show and the campaign's sites, please share them with everybody you know. The election is getting closer. In closing this week, I would like to leave you all with this from God's Word, and today it comes to us from Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. This is the work our founding fathers called us and every generation of American to perform. This is the work we are to perform well to ensure that we can keep our republic from descending into the anarchy that a pure democracy is. To keep us from the fundamental transformation that the communists and communists that reside in both major political parties want to do to our nation. We must continue to fight against the unethical behavior of people and institutions that are working to fundamentally transform our constitutional republic into a dreaded true democracy which leads to tyranny. We cannot and must not go to our graves without defending the liberties that our children and our grandchildren should enjoy. Also, we cannot go to our graves without fighting for those same liberties that many in our nation have already gone to their graves defending. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.